You have tuned in to a study of the book of Hebrews, and we have come to chapter 3, where the writer gives a warning about unbelief, and he bases it on the Old Testament. Now, he is writing to Hebrew Christians, and he wants to call attention to what happened to some of God's people in the Old Testament. And so in verse 7, he writes, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, on the day of testing, in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. The writer is referring to an event that is recorded in Exodus chapter 17. I want to read that. This is when they tested God in the wilderness. It's one of the tests, I should say. It reads, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now this was a terrible thing. After being delivered out of Egypt, after seeing all the plagues which God brought upon the Egyptians, and after seeing God's power in opening the Red Sea and causing them to pass on dry ground, and then after seeing God's power close the sea and drown the entire Egyptian army, these people have no faith. They are ready to abandon God. They're ready to kill Moses. They seem to have no faith at all, and they are testing God here. What should a delivered people have done? They had evidence of God's care. What should they have done? They should have prayed. They should have gone to Moses and say, Ask God to give us water. Now, David referred to this rebellion of Israel against God and making God prove his care for them 1,000 years before the writer of Hebrews did a similar thing. God looked at this as a very serious offense. He spoke by the Spirit through David, then a thousand years later, he spoke through the writer to the Hebrews. And today, I, in teaching 
am following David's example, but I'm doing it 3,000 years after David, and I'm teaching this as a warning. It's a warning to people who follow along the Christian faith. They go to church. They attend prayer meetings. They recite the creed. They say the Lord's Prayer. They act like Christians, and they give to the church. But the warning here is that they may not believe. This was a warning in the 1st century, in the 10th century B.C., and the 20th century A.D. Now, what's the warning? It's about unbelief in spite of repeated evidence. In Moses' day, the people were not satisfied that God was with them, even after they saw the plagues which God sent upon the Egyptians, even after they saw him open the sea, and they beheld the cloud and the pillar of fire at night over their camp. They tasted of the manna and the quails which God provided, and they drank the water, the bitter water that had been made sweet. They saw God's works for forty years, but believed not. They asked, Is God with us? Now, there are some people who will never believe. They have a stubborn streak. They refuse to believe. They have hard hearts. They refuse to look at evidence. And they try to justify their unbelief by saying, Well, look how many different ideas there are about the Bible. Look at how many churches there are. People can't agree among themselves, so how am I going to agree on what is true? And so they don't believe, but in their hearts they have a fear of judgment. They know that someday they'll have to answer to God, and these excuses won't hold up. They are without excuse. All the people of Israel were called God's people, but most were not his people. They had the promises through Abraham, and they had circumcision. God was leading them to their new homeland, but most did not have faith in the God who was leading them. In David's time, that's 1000 B.C., in the land there was peace, and David had a strong kingdom. Yet again the people were warned concerning Exodus 17. What was wrong with the people in David's kingdom? Unbelief. And here in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, the warning comes again. Why? Because of unbelief, even after God's blessings in the wilderness. It is interesting that in Exodus chapter 14, Israel seemed to have believed. Listen to verse 29. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Now what does this mean? They were temporarily contented, based on a dramatic performance. Now, let's not confuse that with faith. It was not the commitment of their souls to his keeping for eternity. They weren't convinced 
that the God of Moses was their God. They didn't understand that God wanted their trust and faith in all things, such as Job expressed when he said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. These people complained continually. They didn't have a resignation to accept whatever came by thanking God and leaning on his perpetual love for them. There was no expression from Israel that they were giving themselves to be used by God for the fulfillment of what he desired to accomplish here on the earth. These people were without faith, but they had a superficial faith, something that looked like faith, and they even sang about their great victory of God. That comes in Exodus chapter 15, when Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. And most of that chapter is the song which they sang, praising God for the victory. Here were two million some people who had come out of Egypt, and in days, just a matter of days, after the Exodus redemption, on the way to the promised land which God selected for them, they showed the superficiality of their belief. And in Exodus 17 they began asking, is God really with us? And they argued with Moses. They thought he had brought them out there to kill them. The Lord led them to Rephidim, and then God allowed pressure to come on them. There was no water. They forgot the God of waters, the God who opened the sea, who made a wall of it on their right and their left, the God who led them across the sea on dry land, and now they were complaining and testing God. They forgot God's faithfulness and his promise to bring them into the land of milk and honey. Well, Moses was faithful, even though the people weren't, and Moses did what God said, strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. And he called the place Massa and Meribah. We need to pause just a moment. Meribah means rebellion or contention, and Massa means trial or proof or testing. And so this was a name that was an indictment, or I should say these were names that indicted the people for their rebellion and for how they were testing God. God, my friends, doesn't need to be tested. We are the ones who need to be tested, and it's an insult to God. When anyone said, Lord, prove that you want me to do this. I don't need to pray to ask God if he wants me to talk to an unbeliever. I know he does. He has already spoken. He wants everyone to hear the good news of the gospel. I don't have to be told to love someone. He has already spoken that. We have the new commandment from Jesus himself. This isn't a matter of prayer. There is no testing of God needed here. God need not offer any proof for what he has already spoken. Now, this section of Hebrews chapter 3 has a practical application. The people of Israel were known as God's people, but they lacked faith in the Creator. And people in churches are known as God's people, but I suspect that most of them do not believe there were only a few who believed among several million who came out of Egypt in the wilderness. We're going to come to that in our Hebrew study. 
And it is reasonable to assume that while many people go along under the banner of Christ, not many believe. Many people are bewildered when I discuss this subject because I say very firmly that there are not very many believers in the world today. In some churches there are many, but in many other churches there are very few, if any. It all depends on where the word of God is preached and whether it is preached with clarity. Don't be deceived by the way people clap and sing. Israel also danced before the Lord. You can't tell a true believer by his outward expression and his enthusiasm. Foot stomping and hand clapping are no proof. Look for the evidence from the soul, from the heart. Look to see what's within a person to determine if he is trusting Christ alone. Are you a Christian? Oh yes, I belong to such and such a church. And that's supposed to be evidence that he is a Christian. On the contrary, that kind of an answer is evidence that he is not a Christian because he's trying to make a spiritual identity by association with a religious group. That's not what God wants. He desires that we trust in his Son's work on the cross, that he might save us by grace. What does grace mean? Our free booklet, entitled Grace, will answer that question. Write for your copy. It's free. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calipota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.com.